Church, would you take your copy of God's Holy Word and open it to the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, as we this morning look at verses 10 through 17. Today's message is entitled, Free at Last. As Americans, we must be careful not to take our freedom for granted. Having lived in freedom all of our lives, we don't know what it's like to be enslaved, do we? We don't know anything about the bondage that some people have experienced throughout our world. Not only is this true in the physical realm, it is also true in the spiritual realm. Jesus came to this earth to set the captives free. Throughout his history, Jesus demonstrated his power to free people from all sorts of problems. He set people free from demons, disease, and even death itself. His greatest power was revealed when he released people from the bondage of sin. Here in Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17, Jesus, in spite of opposition by the religious leaders showed his ability and power over nature and also over the supernatural forces by healing a woman who was physically disabled. This difficulty was caused by an evil spirit, the Bible says. And she had been in this condition for 18 years. The same Jesus that powerfully freed this woman bound for 18 long, grueling years can also set you free from your bondage. I want us to look at Jesus' encounter with this woman so that we can be reminded of how not only he has power over the physical, but also the spiritual as well. He can bring freedom from bondage. I want to read through this section of scripture. I know you've been standing this morning throughout the the time of singing, but I do want you to reverence the word as I read it. Just follow along. I'm not asking you to stand at this point, but look with me now in Luke chapter 13, and I'm going to begin to read in verse 10. Listen to the story of this woman. And Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and there was a woman who for 18 years had had a sickness caused by a spirit, and she was bent double and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your sickness. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made erect again and began glorifying God. But the synagogue official indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, began saying to the crowd in response, there are six days in which work should be done. So come during them and get healed. And not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, you hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead him away to water him? And this woman, a daughter of Abraham as she is, whom Satan has bound for 18 long years, should she not have been released from this bond on the Sabbath day? As he said this, all his opponents were being humiliated 
And the entire crowd was rejoicing over all the glorious things being done by him. Yes, you see Jesus' power here in the physical realm, but uh, that is only a demonstration of his power over the spiritual realm as well because her physical inability was caused by a demon. And here Christ is reminding all of us this morning through this passage that he has the power to set people free. He has the power to set you free. As we look at this passage, I want to examine it just a little closer as you join me this morning. Look with me, first of all, at the woman's disease. The Bible says she was burdened. Verse 10 and 11, we read these words. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath day. And there was a woman who for 18 years had had a sickness. Jesus is found in a synagogue on the Sabbath day. If you wanted to find Jesus on the Sabbath day, the best place to go would be to where the people gathered to worship God. That's where you could find Jesus. It was his custom to be in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. I think if we're going to be like Jesus, we have to follow his lifestyle. And we as Christians now, after the resurrection of Christ, we worship on not the Sabbath day, As a gathered body, we worship on the Lord's Day, which is Sunday. That is the day that the church gathers to honor the Lord. We we saw that, or we see that as we read in the New Testament, how that the early church began to worship on the Sunday to commemorate the resurrection of Christ Jesus. But it's so important that we gather, just as you have gathered this morning, to hear the Word of God proclaimed, to give to serve, to fellowship, to be renewed, to be encouraged, to be challenged, to be taught the word of God. We gather here to honor the Lord, to worship him. And that's where Jesus is. He's teaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And there comes into this setting a woman who for 18 years had been bent low by a sickness. She was suffering. She was in pain. She was burdened. I think about all the people who attend here at First Baptist. We have numerous people who come on a Sunday, but they have to overcome many obstacles to get here, many physical barriers. I think about how this woman herself, she could have gotten up with many excuses. She could have reasoned and said, well, you know, I'd love to be down at the synagogue today, but, you know, I hardly got any sleep last night. My body was racked with pain. My joints were hurting, my feet hurt, my legs hurt, my chest hurts, my back hurts, my head hurts. I hurt all over, and I just don't have the strength to get up. By the time I wake up every morning and I'm able to get out of bed and get dressed and fix a little breakfast, if I go to church, then I'll have to get ready and walk down there to the church house. And once I get there, I have to figure out how to navigate and get into the building. And sitting on those stone pews, it's going to be hard for my arthritis and my hurting back that is bent low. And people are going to look at me. They're going to see my disability. And I may affect them in their worship. I may be a distraction in worship. 
I just think I'll stay here today. It's a lot easier. She, like some of you, had to overcome some difficult barriers to get to the place of worship. But she found herself there burdened down. She was hurting. Her body racked in pain. Yet she's able to get to the place of worship. And there she encounters Christ. Friend, let me tell you something. When you come to church, don't miss Jesus. Now, it's possible to come to church and, and, not, and not connect with Jesus. But when you come to church, don't just come in expecting the same old, same old. Come to this place expecting to encounter the resurrected Christ. If you don't come with that perspective, there's a good possibility you will leave thinking that that was an empty service. Come expecting to see Christ. Come to connect with Christ and to honor Him, to worship Him, and understand He is the one who can break your burden. So this woman certainly was burdened down. Also, we see she was bound. The Bible goes on in verse 11 and tells us why she was suffering so. The Bible says that her condition was caused by a spirit. This would be an evil spirit. Uh, This would be a demon You know, the Bible speaks about how that Lucifer was a chief angelic being created in perfection by God. And he had as his responsibility to lead and worship in heaven. And during the course of his worship leadership, he began to look at his beauty, bedecked in jewels, As he stood there around the throne of God that uh, where the light of God's glory just radiated from that location. And there the light of God sparkled off of his jewels. And he began to think to himself, I deserve to be worshipped. Why not me? Why is all the glory going to God? Look at how beautiful I am. He, with pride, wanted to usurp the leadership and the authority and the position of God and be worshipped himself. And so he led a third of the angelic host in rebellion. And we know that those are fallen angels. We call them demons. And here, one of these demons had afflicted this woman physically. She was bound. You know, sometimes the bondage we experience is not always easy to see. Some of the greatest sources of bondage cannot be noted with a human eye. Some of you this morning came here today bound up, not with a physical disability, but some other form of bondage. For example, fear. You know, fear has gripped the hearts of many people. And there are many reasons why people are afraid. Some people are afraid that they're losing their health. Some are afraid that they're going to lose their job. Some are afraid that they're going to lose their children. Some are afraid that they will never find a spouse. Some are afraid that they will not be able to pay their bills. The list of fear goes on and on and on. And it has a way of gripping people and binding them. There are other people who are bound by guilt Things that they've done, 
sins that they've committed. Some of those sins many years in the past, yet they feel this overwhelming sense of guilt. It is a, it is a burden to them. They are bound by it. And then also there is loneliness. Many people suffer from loneliness. They feel isolated. They feel like they are separated from people and they, they do not have strong relationships and they long to have relationships with other people, but yet they do not and their hearts are heavy. Some are filled with sadness and it causes them to be burdened down. Sadness. Maybe they've lost a loved one. Or maybe they're losing something precious to them, something that they hold dearly and they're sad because of it. And there are some who have slipped even into depression. You know, depression is something that seems to be greater today in America than it's ever been. Although we have more luxuries, more abilities, more resources than ever before, it seems like there's more people depressed. Because they don't know how to handle their emotional trauma. They stuff it down inside and they don't properly process it. And it causes them to go into a deep depression many times. And even some people contemplate suicide, which is always the wrong way to go. Suicide does not end your life. It just transitions you into a different realm, the spirit realm. Where ultimately you have to give an account before the God who gave you life. you imagine standing before God and trying to explain to him why you murdered yourself? The God who gave you life? But there are people who are bound by depression. Others are filled with anxiety. They're all tight. Stressed out. They never have a sense of peace and comfort. These are only some of the unseen burdens people have. I will not be surprised if many, if not all of us, have come here this morning bound down with these burdens. You tell no one, but it's a burden to you. You struggle in silence, but you're burdened down still. And here you are this morning. And it's my prayer that you will encounter Christ. And that you will have that burden lifted. And you will walk away free. Keep in mind that we as Christians. As we deal with these burdens. And these these heavy circumstances of life. We need to be reminded that we're not home yet. We're, We're walking in a fallen world. Where there is serious and constant opposition to God. The Bible tells us we actually have three enemies. The world, the flesh, and the devil. The world is a system of philosophy. The philosophy of this age that is counter to Christ. It stands in opposition to him and the direction he would have the world to go. And this world, the the philosophies of this age, they are strong. And they're very influential in our lives. My wife and I were talking, coming here this morning about how that the world is just so oppressive, especially we think about young people today and how that they, they feel like they're the, if they're Christians, they're the only one. There's so much pressure on our teenagers and young adults to give in to the culture. It's a constant 
unending pressure. This is the world system in which we live. It pressures us. It seeks to force us into its mold of, of living. The world is not the only enemy. The flesh is another. That is, we have strong desires, strong appetites. And whenever we seek to fulfill these appetites outside of God's parameters, what happens is they, they get twisted. They become perverse. And they lead us astray. Some of the appetites we have are legitimate. Some are God-given appetites, desires. But yet when we exercise them, when we try to satisfy them in a way that is outside of God's best for our lives, then we suffer the consequences. And these appetites many times are fed by things in the world. And then we have the third enemy that comes in and he tries to capitalize on our two other enemies, the world and the flesh. And he uses those things to draw us away from God. And he tries to afflict us. Did you know that we can be afflicted of the devil? We, we have an example here in this passage. This woman, we're not told why. We're not given all the circumstances. But somehow, some way, Satan had afflicted her. He had used this pain in her physical body to limit her. We have other examples in the Bible of such occurrences. For example, in the book of Job. Job was a righteous man. A good man. But yet he was afflicted of the devil. And God permitted it. God told him, you can, you can take everything from him, but do not take his life. And Satan said, if you touch him, he will curse you. And God said, you may afflict him. God gave permission for this to happen. Well, we know the story about how Job lost everything. He lost his children. He lost his servants. He lost his possessions. He lost his health. The only thing he retained was his wife. She was a great encouragement. She said, Job, just curse God and die. And we find Job, and to me it's one of the most vivid descriptions of suffering in the Bible. He is described as sitting on a, a heap of ashes, which is a sign of deep grief. Sitting on a heap of ashes, and there he takes a, a broken piece of pottery and scrapes the sores. He scrapes the pus out of the sores. From the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. He is one massive oozing sore. In pain. And he's sitting there weeping. Having suffered great loss. What Job does not know. But we as readers know. Is that there's something going on behind the scenes. And that is. That God is at work even in the midst of Job's suffering. God is working. Job couldn't see it. He couldn't understand it. He had many questions. But he never cursed God. As a matter of fact, he said on one occasion, The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Friend, that's how we're to respond in things that we don't understand. And by the way, just to let you know a little secret... 
There will be many things in life you do not understand and you cannot explain. This Bible says that God's ways are past finding out. I've realized a long time ago that I'm not God. And I'm not one to instruct him. If something happens to my vehicle, I can't even fix it. And I certainly can't fix the universe that God created. So I'm going to concede that to him and let him handle those difficult matters. Some things I don't understand, but that's what the walk of faith is all about. We trust God even when we don't understand. But behind the scene, God was at work in Job's life. And Job was going to learn some things about God through this experience that he could not have learned any other way. And God used his suffering and brought ultimately good out of it. His health was restored and he regained his family. He regained his possessions and lived a long, healthy life. God was at work, work even though Satan had afflicted Job. Another incident we find in Scripture would be that of the Apostle Paul. You won't find a better man than Apostle Paul after his conversion. He was faithful to the teaching of the Word of God and to carry out the Great Commission and sharing the gospel of Christ throughout the world. He was afflicted in many ways, suffered intense pain through beatings being stoned, being imprisoned. Ultimately, he was beheaded, we're told, by tradition because of his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He knew what suffering was all about, but he also knew what victory was about. He had been blessed by God to see into the very heavenly realms. And it was such a glorious sight, God said, don't speak about what you've seen. But Job I should say, Paul, in order for him not to be puffed up in pride because of this experience, God afflicted him. As a matter of fact, it is described as a messenger from Satan had afflicted him with some type of bodily pain. And for three times, Paul beseeched the Lord to heal him. But God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. And it was. So what I'm trying to help you to see is that there's bondage that we experience sometimes. And we have enemies that are in this world seeking to draw us away from God. But God is stronger. He's the one who can break the bondage. And he demonstrates that through this passage. This woman was burdened, this woman was bound, this woman was bent. Look with me now as we read in verse 11 again. The second part of that verse says, And she was bent double and could not straighten up at all. I've seen people walk around bent low. I saw a man this week, he he had to walk this way. Can you imagine every day of your life, Staring at the ground, unable to stand erect. And the pain, the agony involved in that type of condition. This is the woman we read about in the passage. This is the affliction she suffered. It was a terrible disease that she had. But this woman came to worship burdened down, bound up, bent low. She had suffered this affliction for 18 years. Perhaps she had given up. 
on ever being whole and healthy again. Like I said, many of you have come to church today with a similar problem. You're struggling with a problem that is too difficult for you to overcome. You do not possess what you need in your own physical ability or mental strength and stamina to overcome it. No matter what you are troubled by, no matter what affliction you face, you've come to the right place today because Jesus can meet your need. That's the woman's disease. Let's now look at the woman's deliverance. We see in verses 12 and 13, and this is where the story really gets good. Notice what Jesus saw. Jesus saw this woman, verse 12. When Jesus saw her, now how is it that Jesus could see this woman? He could see her because she had come to the synagogue that day. Can you imagine if she had missed that day? If she decided, you know, I'm not going. What a blessing she would have missed. Friends, there are some blessings that you will never receive laying up on your couch at home. There are some blessings you will not receive unless you obey God. Now, granted, there are times when people can't come to church. I understand that. There are times when you just cannot get here. You're what we would call providentially hindered. That is something completely outside of your control. You may have the flu. If you had the flu, stay home. Listen on the radio. But whenever we can come to be together, there's something special. There's something dynamic that happens. Something that you can't get over a simulcast. Something you can't get over a CD or a DVD. When the people of God come together and God is moving and manifesting himself in the midst of his people. The Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. That is, that's, if you want to find God, get among God's people. As they are worshiping him. Because God will be revealing himself, moving among his people in that context. Well, Jesus saw this woman entering and... She caught his eye. So Jesus called to her. We read that in verse 12. He called over. He called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your sickness. Now, if you have a pencil, I hope you bring a pencil with you to church. If you don't have some, a pencil, ladies, get out your mascara. Use that. But circle the word freed there. Circle that word. Let me read it again. He called her over and said to her, woman, you are freed from your sickness. That is, you are going to be unbound from what has been binding you all this time. Now, the Bible doesn't say here in this this passage that she ran over to the Lord or she scooted over or she limped over to the Lord and said, Lord, please heal me. I'll do anything. No, it is Christ who saw her and called her over to himself to heal her. He took the initiative. And then we're told that Jesus touched her, verse 13. He laid his hands on her. Here uh, is the power of Jesus' touch. Now think with me for a moment. This, now we're talking about an appropriate touch. 
There's power in, in the physical touch, an appropriate touch. Jesus could have healed her with just by thinking of it. But he didn't do that. He actually touched her with his hands. Here's a woman that perhaps was ostracized by many people thinking that she'd committed some sinful act. And that's why, that's why she was in this condition. Or maybe she had disease that they might catch. But Jesus touches her. And think about the hands of Jesus. How Jesus did hands-on ministry. There are many examples. Let me give you a few. Think about the time where Jesus confronted the man born blind. And he took some clay and spit in that clay. And he moved it about and anointed the man's eyes with that clay. And he said, go down to the pool of Siloam and wash your face. Wash your eyes. And you will be able to see. The man did it. And he could see. The hands of Jesus at work. We're also told that Jesus took his hands and he broke the bread and the fish and distributed them through the disciples to the people. Jesus used his hands. I think about the time he was called to the side of Jairus' daughter who had died. Her cold, lifeless body was there on that little bed. Jesus entered the room, closed the door. I can see him take his hand and touch her brow and say, little girl, arise. And All of a sudden, warmth came back into her body and her eyes began to move and she opened her eyes and there she sees Jesus and his healing hands. I think about Jesus taking his hands and gaining a basin of water and a towel and washing the feet of the disciples, including Judas, the one that was about to go to betray him. And I think about the hands of Jesus as he stretched them out on Calvary's cross and was nailed there and died. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father this morning, making intercession for us. If you could see his hands, you would see their nail-pierced hands to this day. These are the hands that touched this woman with this burden. This woman who was suffering with this great affliction. These were the precious nail-pierced hands that will touch you as you seek his face. Notice Jesus healed her. Verse 13 goes on to say this. And immediately she was made erect again and began glorifying God. She began praising the Lord. She was excited about it. No one had to to pump her up to praise. She didn't have to be stimulated by worship, by, by music being sung or sermon being preached. She, as an overflow of thanksgiving, began to glorify God. She didn't go to a worship seminar or read some book about worship. Automatically, she started praising God. You know, folks, I think that one reason we have such a difficult time worshiping God is that we have been so blessed. You know, 
I think about, let me give you one example. Think about when we go, we sit down to eat. We, we decide, we debate what we want to eat today. You ever, have you ever had a debate with your wife? Honey, what do you want to eat? Well, honey, I don't care. What do you want? Well, we could go over here. Well, I don't think I want that today. Well, what do you want? Well, we could go over there. I don't think I want that today. We have all these options. We can eat as much or, or as little or varieties of food that we want to eat. We can go to the supermarket. Now they even, you can call ahead to the supermarket and they will bring the groceries to your car. We're blessed. How many people before they sit down and eat actually close their eyes and say, God, thank you for this food. Thank you, Lord. You know why we scarcely thank God for our food? It's because we have food in the refrigerator. We have food in the cupboard. We have food at the restaurant. We have food everywhere we go. We eat food. Now, you go for about a week or two without food, without anything to eat. You're scraping around trying to find something to eat. You're starving to death. And I can guarantee you, you'll be a whole lot more thankful to God when you have food to eat. You see, we have been so blessed by God that we have become blinded by our blessings. This woman who had been walking hunched over for these many years in pain, now that she stood erect, she realized what a blessing it was and overflowing Praise came forth from her mouth, glorifying God. She had been healed. This is the woman's deliverance. Luke chapter 4 tells us that at the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry, he visited the synagogue in Nazareth. He stood to read from the book of Isaiah that was handed to him on that occasion. He opened the book and read these words. Listen to these words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. When Jesus had finished, He closed the book and He gave it back to the attendant and sat down. Everyone closely watched him on that occasion trying to figure out what all he meant and who this was he said to them today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing with these words Jesus was proclaiming to be the Messiah the son of the living God the one that they had awaited to receive for so many years Throughout the remainder of his ministry, he demonstrated his messiahship through his deeds. The healing of this woman is but one example of his power on display. Now he wants to use his power to set, listen, he wants to use his power to set you free. Today he is offering to you deliverance. Let's look at the woman's defense. She needed to be defended because of the religious leaders. What a shame. Verse 14, we see the religious leaders reacted. 
But the synagogue official, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, began saying to the crowd in response, there are six days in which to work, in which work should be done. So come during them and get healed and not on the Sabbath day. That was a pleasant person to be around, wasn't it? No appreciation, no recognition that Jesus is Messiah here. He just demonstrated his power over the physical world and over the spiritual world. And here the religious guy misses it. Folks, and we can be just like him. We can miss what God is trying to do in our midst. Because we're all wrapped up and bound up by religion. By tradition. And we shut God out because he doesn't meet our standard. Notice what Jesus said, the Lord's response, verses 15 and 16. But the Lord answered him and said, you hypocrites. Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead him away to water? And this woman, a daughter of Abraham as she is, that is, she, she's a descendant from Abraham, whom Satan has bound for 18 long years, should she not have been released from this bond on the Sabbath day? I told you to circle in verse 12 the word freed. Would you circle in verse 15 the word untie? And then go down to verse 16 and circle the word released. Notice in verse 12, freed. Verse 15, untie. Verse 16, released. Do you see a theme developing in this passage? The theme is freedom. It is deliverance from bondage. This is what Jesus came to do for us. To deliver us. So the Lord responded by saying, look, you you do better for your own animals. And here this woman has been afflicted for 18 years and you begrudge the fact that she's been healed on the Sabbath. Jesus has said on another occasion that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. That is, the man is what is important to God, not the day. God gave the day to the man For him to have an opportunity to rest. And to contemplate the power and glory of God. That they had on display here before them. Then notice the people rejoiced. Verse 17. As he said this all his opponents were being humiliated. And the entire crowd was rejoicing over all the glorious things being done by him. The people rejoiced. Oh, friend, when we get a clue as to what Jesus is doing and the, and the victories that are being won, we too will rejoice. This is the type of church we long to be, a church that recognizes the presence and power of God at work in her midst and praise him for what he's doing. Often we hear the word defense. And when we do, the courtroom comes to mind. We envision someone accused of a crime being defended by an attorney. 
as the religious leaders began to criticize Jesus for healing this infirmed woman, Jesus came to her defense. Isn't it good to know that even the devil himself cannot succeed in accusing the people of God because we have our defense attorney. The Lord Jesus Christ, he always wins his case. And here this woman is defended by none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. I love the lyrics to Chris Tomlin's song that he wrote speaking about freedom from bondage. Let me read some of these words to you. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. And like a flood, his mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing grace. If you are in Christ Jesus, friend, you have been set free. Now walk in that freedom. Don't get tangled once again in the ways of this world. Don't submit yourself to Satan through disobedience, causing you to become in bondage again. If you are still bound, Jesus has come to free you. He has come to deliver you. Accept him into your life. Receive his free gift of salvation by faith in Christ alone. And he will save you and transform your life. Free you from the bondage of sin. Father, we thank you.